It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Bert Kearns, who is author, along with Jeff Abraham, of The Show Won't Go On, the most shocking, bizarre, and historic deaths of performers on stage. And that includes performers who have died on stage in Las Vegas or who have performed in Las Vegas and died elsewhere. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Bert and Jeff and their new book, go to theshowwon'tgoon.com, theshowwon'tgoon.com, and you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at the show, won't go on. And Bert, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure, a lot of show mentions there. I like the word show. It's good. It's show business, and you guys are so deep into it. Your background is you're a television motion picture producer, director, writer, journalist, author of a memoir, Tabloid Baby. And Jeff is a comedy historian as well as an entertainment publicist. And how the two of you got together is interesting, and why you decided to do this book. Give us a little bit of background on that. Well, we got together... 20 years ago, when Jeff actually was a publicist for my book, Tabloid Baby, we wound up bonding over Jerry Lewis, uh, great Jerry Lewis fans and show business fans, and we became friends, and we've known each other all that time. Uh, 15 years ago, Jeff went to an Elvis impersonator show at a Trump casino outside of Palm Springs, and at that, at that show, there was a man named Al DeVoren. Al was the guy who, at the end of every Elvis show in Las Vegas and beyond, would say, Elvis has left the building. Please file out to the souvenir stands or whatever to clear the room. <laughs> right. Um, so at this Elvis impersonator show, Al had the job of making that announcement at the end of the show. And, of course, he got a standing ovation. Then he went out into the lobby to sign autographs. And Jeff was out there and heard someone say, you know, Al, you ought to write a book, man. You've got, done so many things. And Al said, yeah, yeah, I will. I have time. And then Al got in the car to drive home to Las Vegas and was killed in a car accident. Uh, that sort of traumatized Jeff in a way, but uh, being the show business historian that he is, it also gave him an idea to, to do a book on performers who died on the way home from a show, on the way to a show like Harry Chapin, you know, or uh, on, the way, on the way to a show like Hank Williams, or performers who died on stage. About three years ago, he mentioned the idea to me, my schedule was open, I said, Jeff, that's a great idea, let's, let's, let's start the research, let's do the book. When we got to about a thousand cases, we said, maybe we ought to narrow this down a bit. We have enough to do performers who died on stage during a show, collapsed on stage and died at the hospital. It's an unexplored aspect of show business, and let's, let's dig into it. So we wound up with, again, more than 500 cases. For the book, we wound up narrowing it down to about 60 good stories and references to others, where we cover about 200 deaths on stage. Somewhat macabre, but certainly a part of the whole world of show business. <laughs> Very is an interesting niche that you guys have decided to fill. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound macabre, a little creepy, but, but really we, we, we realized that, and we made sure that the book is not just a cavalcade of, of a march of, of, of face plants on the boards. What it really is, it's a celebration of performers and performers' lives. We've got some people who are legendary, some who are obscure, but we bring out you know, their stories, the facts that their, their lives and careers are so much greater than the way they, 
than the way they died, which often overshadowed their great accomplishments. Well, there is that sensitivity, and it sounds like you guys also wrote with their families or their decedents in mind as well. Well, that, that was also very important because we spoke to a lot of survivors. We spoke to witnesses. We spoke to family members. And, you know, you, you speak to somebody whose father died in 1984, and the person weeps remembering it. And so we realized, you know, it couldn't be snarky. We couldn't, you know, make fun of anything. Of course, a lot of the deaths are ironic. You know, you have the, the actress who dropped dead on stage after singing, Please Don't Talk About Me When I'm Gone, and got a standing ovation. You've got a lot of, you know, famous last words that seem to fit in. You know, people think that it's part of the show. And, you know, it's ironic. It might seem humorous. There was one actually in, in Henderson, Nevada, right outside Las Vegas. An amateur actor was on stage with a local theater company, and he had a heart attack, collapsed on stage during a show called The Art of Murder. We, we interviewed Kent Stork. We interviewed his son, who's a, who's a resident of the area. And the son, you know, he got a, he got a, bit, of, a bit of a kick out of seeing that when, when, when the story got online, it was on Facebook, people were commenting and saying, sounds like a bad episode of Murder, she wrote. And, you know, he, he, got, he saw the humor in it, while at the same time, you know, realizing that you know, his, his dad had died. Yeah, it's amazing. And a couple of other people that are connected, well, there's a lot of people that have been connected with Las Vegas, but in addition to Kent, you had, well, Scotty O'Neill locally, and people listen to the show all over the world, but locally, Scotty O'Neill was well-known, and he was the announcer on a radio show here with Dennis. And what happened there? Well, that was, that was, that was another incident. You know, the, the Dennis Bono show is a it's a live throwback to like the old Merv Griffin show and shows like that where it's, it's done on stage at the, now I think it's at the South Point Correct. Casino. Right. Um, and and it, it, it starts off with uh, the, the announcer, you know, announces Dennis Bono. Dennis comes out, sings a song, does a little comedy. Um, Scotty O'Neill was, was a local DJ, a very well-known disc jockey in California and, and Las Vegas. He was the second banana on the show, and they went, they went through the motions. He, he announced Dennis. Dennis did his song did his routine. Then they introduced their co-host, Corey Sachs, who's also a performer who's well-known in Las Vegas. Yeah, she's still on the show, too, with Dennis. She's still on the show. Well, that's because they never replaced Scotty after he, after he passed. They exchanged a couple of jokes. Scotty was sitting next to Corey by, by the... I, I think they have a desk. He's just in that, in that setup of the seats. And suddenly, Scotty looked up toward the ceiling and made a bit of a noise. Corey thought that he was reacting to one of Dennis's bad jokes and then realized that he wasn't breathing. And uh, so here you had, you had a full house, you had a full audience there, and there was Scotty, passed away on the stage. He didn't have a curtain to close, and, and Corey tells the story of how, you know, the people, the other performers got around him to sort of shield him from the audience while they were trying some rescue attempts. I think one of the stagehands was an expert in CPR. And while they were doing it, people were walking up to the edge of the stage and saying, Come on, go on with the show. What do you mean there's no show? They, they had to cancel the show that day. People didn't really get it. So that's the one case, at least, that the show didn't go on. No, the show did not go on. No. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, you'll find, depending on what kind of show it is, the, the, the show won't go on when that happens. Because right. If it's a, com a comedian, or plays are often stopped. We found that shows do go on. Usually when, you know, there's a, a large audience, let's say at a, at a festival, there's been a couple of deaths at music festivals, and where, the, where this crowd control is a, is a concern. So they figure they, they must go on with this show in order to you know, not have a riot. Now, there's also another, you mentioned in your book, too, that, uh, and, and talking about large 
crowds and big showrooms and stages, etc. There was the one production show death here in Las Vegas as well. Well, that was very, as well as being shocking, it was, it was very historic. It was the first death of a performer in a Cirque du Soleil show. This was the death of Sarah Guillaume during a performance of Ka at the MGM Grand. And I, I don't know if your, your audience is familiar with Ka, but Ka is a, a very revolutionary, extravagant stage experience where the stage rotates and you're able to see sort of a look, look down on the action of what's happening. You have performers hanging on wires and fighting. It seems like they're fighting in midair over a performance grid that drops more than 100 feet. And what happened was during the final battle scene of Ka, Sarah's Sarah's harness snapped and she fell 100 feet down into the into the abyss below the stage and, and was killed. That was that was that was quite a uh, quite quite a historic moment for Cirque du Soleil. And just recently there was a uh, another death back in um, I believe it was last year. There was one down in Florida where another Cirque performer was killed. They had the crossroads of the world in, in Hollywood, but I think the real crossroads of the world is Las Vegas because a lot of people I mentioned in my opening. There are people who did not die on stage in Las Vegas, but certainly have performed in Las Vegas at one point or another. Among others, Tiny Tim and, and Dick Sean come to mind. Jackie Wilson's another. Can you give us a little bit of, of the flavor of, of those situations? And, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about how you researched the book as well. Well, Dick Sean, let's say. Now, Dick Sean is a, well, was a comedian who's probably best known for his role as LSD in Mel Brooks, the producers. He was like the hippie performer who played Hitler in Springtime for Hitler. He also is known for the movie It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. But what that sort of overshadowed his, his true brilliance as a stand-up comedian. He was a surrealistic comic who really influenced people like Robin Williams and Andy Kaufman and even Gary Shandling. He had, he had an act called The Second Greatest Entertainer in the World. <laughs> I like the title. Yeah. And the way this show opened was that the audience would file into the theater and not realize that Dick Sean was lying down on the stage covered in newspapers. So they, they think they're looking just at a, a set. And then after everybody was seated, he would get up from the newspapers, usually eating a banana, and begin his show. For the intermission, he'd take a nap. He'd lie down on the stage, perhaps collapse, and stay prone on the stage during the entire intermission and get up you know, a half hour later, 20 minutes later, for the second half of the show. So the stage hands sort of knew, you know, if this guy falls on the stage and falls on the floor, he's, it's part of his act. So he's performing at the uh, University of California in San Diego in 1987. And he got to the point of his act, a very surreal act, where he said to the audience, imagine that there was a nuclear war outside and the only survivors are the people in this theater and I would be your leader. And with that, he fell forward onto his face on the stage. And as he lay there, there was some laughter, and as the time got a bit, a bit uncomfortable, people started yelling, you know, take his wallet! Ha-ha! They, they all thought it was part of the act. Unfortunately, his son, Adam Sean, was his stage manager, and his son was at the back of the theater directing and doing all the musical and audio cues, and he realized that, you know, his dad never fell that way, and never fell so hard on his face. So through the headset, he asked the stagehand to go out and, and check on his dad. The stagehand walked out there and said, I can't really tell if he's all right, and I don't think he's breathing. And at that point, all, all hell broke loose. The, um, there happened to be a number of doctors in the first couple of rows because the theater was right next to a teaching hospital. They worked on Dick Sean, were unable to, to uh, bring him back or to revive him. 
and he, he died on the stage there, or he died on the, he was a pronounced dead in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. But while the rescue efforts were going on, again, people were walking up to the front of the stage and asking for their money back because he didn't complete the show. Sort of thing that goes on in, in, in these cases. It's amazing how the human condition is such that even when they can see there's a problem, they are determined to either get their money back or to do something else and, as opposed to helping out or just leaving. It's yeah, just fascinating. It's, it's, it, and, that, and you talk about how we researched the book. That was one of the, the ones that was most striking to us because we spoke to Adam Sean, who, you know, more than 30 years later, still, you know, he, he, it, it still haunts him. He, 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 he wept when, when, when we interviewed him because he remembered the loss of his best friend. And he also wondered, you know, why people don't remember his father as, as the great, you know, genius comedian that, that, that he was. And so we did, we felt a responsibility to tell his story and tell it correctly and, and, and to bring out the fact that, yeah, you know, Dick Sean was a lot more than the way he died, although his death turned out to be one of the most historic, you know, in, in, in modern pop culture. It's, it's one of the, the ones that people talk about. Well, I think your book, The Show Won't Go On, The Most Shocking, Bizarre, and Historic Deaths of Performers on Stage, helps remember some of these great performers. And I think that in the case of Dick Sean, his son probably is, it's not delighted, but grateful that, in fact, his dad is remembered in the pages of your book. Yes, and, 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 that's, and that's part of what, what we do in the book. We, we bring out these, these performers' accomplishments. Some of them are obscure. You may have never have heard of them or... People may have just may have heard the name and not realized, wow, this, this person accomplished all that, and this person actually happened to, to die on stage. That was part of it, too, in speaking to the survivors. We, we were investigating you know, the adage, well, they died doing what they love. You know, do, do survivors get any sort of satisfaction from that, you know, any kind of solace from the fact that their loved one died doing what they loved? And you, know, you find that a lot of older performers, performers who may have been in their 80s and collapsed on stage and, you know, performing was their life. Well, sure, that was a great way to go as opposed to, you know, wasting away in, in, in a nursing home or something for, for, for performers. But, but then again, you know, when we speak to people, they say, well, yeah, I guess it was all right that they died doing what they love, but I wish we had them for another 20 years because there was so much more they could do. Well, let's take a break. My guest, Bert Kearns, is author, along with Jeff Abraham, of The Show Won't Go On, The Most Shocking, Bizarre, and Historic Deaths of Performers on Stage. And that includes performers who have died on stage in Las Vegas or who have performed here and died elsewhere. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Bert and Jeff and their new book, go to theshowwon'tgoon.com, and you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at theshowwon'tgoon. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You think you know Vegas? But how much do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Ma Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Mob Museum in downtown Las Vegas. More information at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. 
Welcome back. I'm talking with Bert Kearns, who is author, along with Jeff Abraham, of The Show Won't Go On, The Most Shocking, Bizarre, and Historic Deaths of Performers on Stage. And that includes performers who have died on stage here in Las Vegas or who have performed here and died elsewhere. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Bert and Jeff and their new book, you can go to theshowwon'tgoon.com and you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at the show won't go on. And Bert, when you and Jeff were researching the book, you made contact obviously with as you call them survivors, relatives, etc., maybe some former agents or managers as well. What was the general reaction of these people with your idea? And were they, in other words, were a majority of them resisted at first, or did they understand the concept? Most everyone understood the concept right away and really relished the opportunity to speak about their loved ones. You know, it's funny, the very first interview we did, that, that I did, was a, a Skype interview with a musician who happened to be on stage with a rock musician in Nashville, Tennessee, who had died while playing Prince's song, Raspberry Beret. He collapsed of a heart attack. He was a guitar player. I had gotten in touch with the bass player who was on stage with him. I think the death happened about 15 years ago, 12, 12, 15 years ago. When I got in touch with the guy, he was driving an Uber. And he had the camera set up at, at his steering wheel. And he pulled the car over. And he was very surprised that I called about this. And I began asking him questions about what happened. And he was, he was, very, he was very into the interview. speaking, and he, and he spoke with me. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the interview, he just broke out in tears, and he was crying uncontrollably. And I'm on the other end here sitting at, you know, at, my, at my laptop saying, I'm so sorry to do this. I'm so sorry to have made you cry. And he was like, no, 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 this is great. I, I, I never got to cry about this before, and this is so good. And then he went and, and talked about how honored he was to have, to have uh, been there when his friend died, what he called a Viking death, you know, holding on to his, his instrument, surrounded by his fans and his colleagues, and he said, you know, if there's a way I, I could go, that's the way I would like to go. So, yeah, so the, so the people really you know, did, they, they loved the opportunity to talk about the careers and the lives of their, uh, of their loved ones or their friends. When you first called them, though, or Jeff called them, is it because of both of your reputations that they, there wasn't that initial resistance? In other words, they knew that it wasn't going to be a, a shock book. It's going to be a serious book about and a tribute in a way to their loved ones. A couple of people did, like uh, Dick Sean's son, you know, checked us out, vetted us, right? Uh, because we, most, you know, a lot of these came from references. I mean, for instance, we spoke we spoke with Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller. He 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 didn't uh, witness a death or have a have a um, any sort of relative, but he was an expert uh, on the bullet catch, and because because Penn and Teller are probably the foremost practitioners of that trick, and he spoke to us about the the the, the, the many performers who died attempting the bullet catch and uh and he spoke to us because you know he knew who we were we have have mutual contacts etc right and another thing that we did and we, we found was we we were able to to um clear up a lot of misconceptions because you go to wikipedia there's a lot of misinformation believe it or not on wikipedia and there's a lot of misinformation just out there on the internet because a lot of people rely on that first newspaper account of what happened and you find that you know, the first newspaper account isn't really the historical record. It's sort of a rough draft. You're writing on deadline. You're getting the, the first information from supposed witnesses. And later, you know, a couple of days later, a week or so later, you might get the real story of what happened. 
And we found many instances where what was out there wasn't true. People who supposedly died on stage didn't really die on stage. You know, facts about their deaths were, were, were not correct, and we were able to clear a lot of that up. Was there any time a, a disagreement between you and Jeff about a, a particular selection of a person to include in the book? No real disagreements. There were, there, there were several. Yes, all right. To begin with, we originally had people who died in front of motion picture cameras or television cameras as well. I mean, when we, we, we had to narrow it down to people who died in front of an audience. There were just so many. So there were some great stories, you know, Red Fox, who died, you know, during a rehearsal for his for a television show, um, Tyrone Power, who died while 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 doing a fight scene for the movie Solomon and Sheba. But we realized in the end that there were just too many, so we had to narrow it down to people who died in front of an audience, whether it's an audience in a nightclub, a theater, an opera house, a live television audience, a live radio audience even social media today, because now there are social media performers who are, who are dying live on social media. And we're not just talking about the people who do those you know, jackass-type stunts, but actual you know, performers. So we, did, you know, we, did, we had a lot to choose from. We went back and forth and tried to you know, figure out who, you know, who would fit and who wouldn't. But in the, to, yeah, I was going to say, but, in, but in, the, in that discussion with Jeff, was there one person you wanted to include he didn't, or vice versa? Not really. I can't really think of one. I know there was one that we both wanted to include after the book had been finished. We were, we, we were done with our final edits. The book was ready to go into production. And a, a gentleman by the name of Ian Cognito, a, perform, a comedian in the, in the U.K., uh, died on stage earlier this year. I think it was, it was in April. And it made worldwide news. It was, you know, news was around the world. It's still up on, on the Internet today. And we managed to convince the publisher to allow us to slot that one in. At the last moment. Yeah. So, so that he wouldn't die incognito. Incognito, exactly. But yeah. what's happened is, you know, that was another issue we had was that people keep dying on stage. On our website, we've, we've just been, you know, monitoring it, and we've been paying tribute to the people who died on stage in 2019, and we've got about 20 already. There were six or seven in the past you know, seven weeks, believe it or not. It's um, amazing. Performers continue to die on stage. Life goes on and death goes on, clearly. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Jackie Wilson death. Jackie Wilson, I, I've always enjoyed Jackie Wilson. And he, I mean, you have so many great examples. And I, but he also performed in Las Vegas, which is why I'm asking about him. Oh, yeah. Well, well Jackie Wilson was, again, uh, it, it's, it's sort of an outlier in our stories. He has a special chapter. It's called The Long Goodbyes, where he and another artist were collapsed on stage or were stricken on stage and then took many years to actually die. Jackie Wilson was performing on September 29, 1975, at the Latin Casino in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, a, a real swank supper club that got all the top Vegas acts, actually. And um, he was performing as part of uh, Dick Clark's Rock and Roll Review. Dick Clark was there. The Coast Cornell Gunter, another Vegas mainstay, was performing. Uh, Dion from Dion and the Belmonts. But Jackie Wilson was really the star attraction there. He was a performer who influenced Michael Jackson. He, was a, he could sing uh, you know, four octaves. He was an operatic singer as well as an R&B shouter. He was singing his hit Lonely Teardrops, one of probably his most famous song. And believe it or not, and again, this is one of these you can't make it up, he was at the part where he sang Lonely Teardrops, My Heart is Crying, My Heart, My Heart, and he fell backwards from a heart attack. His head hit the stage, and he suffered a stroke. 
um, for the next eight years, Jackie Wilson was in and out of a, a coma. He was in that, in that netherworld uh, when he wasn't just totally out in the coma, and he died eight years later. Ironically, he was about to get, or he did get, his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in September 2019, about two days after our book was published. His widow was supposed to make a speech at the unveiling of the star, and she died two weeks before the event. You can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Do you think, given the amount of research that you and Jeff did, and as you said, people keep dying, which is his life as well, yeah. do you see a, it's not, not yet, of course, because you're still involved with this book, but at some point, maybe a year from now, two years from now, that the show won't go on part two? Well, actually, yes, because we've already basically written it. We've got, you know, so many outtakes of stories that we've, we've published some on, on our website, some outtakes and stuff that didn't make the book. But the fact that, yes, people are still dying on stage, it's definitely a book that can be updated. And we're also working now on taking that, that Hollywood section of the book and turning that into sort of a spinoff of, of, of stars who died on camera uh, and in rehearsal and on movie sets and on television sets. Because, again, there are, are a lot of those. I think that you and Jeff have created a, a new genre of book. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I used to wake up in the morning and, and, and check the Internet to see if my name was in the obituaries. And if it wasn't, I'd have breakfast. But now I'm checking for everyone else. Exactly. Because you guys have a cottage industry now. And this can go on forever because life goes on and death goes on. So this may be the future for you and Jeff for the next 30 years. Yes. And we have to make sure that, you know, that no one that we speak to in an interview uh, dies on stage or, or in the studio. Yes, and, exactly. And also that, again... We, want, we just want people to know that this is a, it's a celebration of performers, and it's a celebration of show business, really. It's, it's you know, it's, it's like a, a, we're, we're writing biographies of people, but it doesn't lead to them winning an Oscar, an Emmy, a Grammy, or a Tony, although they get those along the way. But it leads to that moment where they're on stage, and for some, you know, it can be considered a glorious moment where they die doing what they love, surrounded by their colleagues, doing what they love, and, you know, with fans applauding them. Unfortunately, a lot of times the fans applaud them not realizing that that was their final act. Or ask for their money back Yeah, as well. Now, I think part of the, the appeal of the book, too, is that as you, even though you write about people who are somewhat obscure, you write a lot about people who are not obscure. And my, my thinking is that the fans of these people that you write about, these entertainers, these performers, will be buying the book just because of their particular person that they're a fan of, and then they'll discover all these other people within the book as well. Yeah, we, we, we do cover like many genres of, of, of performance. You know, we, we didn't include athletes because, you know, athletes head into a ring or an arena or in a field just because of the, phys the physicality involved. Death is always in the cards. Uh, although we did include circus performers because, you know, although their, their acts are always you know, considered to be death-defying, they do consider themselves to be show people and, and performers. And we have a special chapter, for instance, on Carl Walenda and the Walenda family, who are the, the ultimate example of people who believe in the adage that the show must go on. You know, we, 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 covered, we spoke to Carl Walenda's great-grandson, Nick Walenda, who's now carrying on his mantle and setting all kinds of records around the world. And we spoke to the photographer who was there to capture Carl's final moments when he fell off the wire while promoting a circus uh, in San Juan, Puerto Rico. The photographer was on the roof 
waiting for Carl to make it across from one hotel to the other. When Carl slipped and, and fell off the wire, uh, he, he had a motor drive on his camera and was the one person who managed to just click along all, all along the way. But on the roof w- with him were the other three people who were in Carl's act, his granddaughter and two of his nephews. And they were totally beside themselves and broken up and, 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 and crying hysterically. The photographer got some shots of them, then rushed back to the newspaper office to say, you won't, you know, you won't believe the, the, the photos I got here. And his editor said, what are you doing here? Why aren't you at the circus? The Wallendas are going on. And he's like, what? <laughs> and sure enough, they, the, 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 the three of them went on without Carl hours after Carl died. Nick, meanwhile, you know, says that his grandfather kind of gave everyone a lesson that there is a time when you've got to stop. You know, Carl was about 72 years old and infirm at the time that this happened. He wasn't really strong enough to, to stay on the wire when the winds got too high. And Nick says, you know, he, he doesn't want to die on the wire like Carl did. He wants, he wants to die, you know, with lots of great-grandchildren in bed when he's old. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Bert Kearns. He is author, along with Jeff Abraham, of The Show Won't Go On, The Most Shocking, Bizarre, and Historic Deaths of Performers on Stage. And that includes performers who have died on stage in Las Vegas or, or who have performed here and died elsewhere. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Bert and Jeff and their new book, you can go to theshowwon'tgoon.com and follow them on Twitter and on Instagram at The Show Won't Go On. Bert, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> right, exactly. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Hey, Las Vegas.